Welcome to St. Alphonsus Wellcast, the podcast where we explore the many facets of health and well-being. This podcast is brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Well-Being and a generous grant from the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the St. Alphonsus Wellcast. This is Kim Cleveland, family nurse practitioner with the Department of Corporate Health and Well-Being at St. Alphonsus Health System. Today we have a special guest as part of our Brain Health series. We have Katie Horrocks and Kathleen Little, who are both social workers with the Brain Health Memory Center program. They work hard with the Memory Center to connect families to resources and to provide support. Hi, Kathleen. Good morning. Thanks hi. for having us. Yeah, hi, Katie. Good morning. I'm really excited to have you both on today because this is a great topic to discuss. We're going to be talking about signs to look for when someone is no longer able to care for themselves. If you've been following along with this series, you know we're talking a lot about cognitive impairment and all the implications, both medical, physical, emotional, and social. So talking about signs to look for for families when someone is no longer able to care for themselves is something very integral to the care of the patient. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking with us about this important topic. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So as social workers, I'm sure you're asked all the time, how does a person know when their loved one is no longer able to care for themselves? Yeah, you know, I think there's just really not one size that fits every scenario. It's, you know, can be multiple factors that can collectively cause us concern. And we're often asked this question almost on a daily basis, I would say, Katie. Yeah, yeah, we are. And, you know, the very first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, would they know what to do in case of an emergency? So, for example, we'll quite often ask someone, who would you call if there was an emergency? And if they're saying they would call their neighbor or their daughter, that's pause for concern because what we want them, of course, to be saying is, I would call 911. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so quite often people will go to what is familiar to them. So that's why they might think of a neighbor or a friend or a daughter. But we want them to say, we would call 911 or we would be able to get out of the house. Quite often people say, I would wait for my friend to come. And so that's a really big concern. So safety is the first concern mm-hmm. that we think of when yeah. deciding whether or not it's time for someone to be maybe looking at another type of placement for their loved one. That's an interesting concept too. You know, I wonder um, in terms of that, you know, are there certain prompts or education that can be provided to people in terms of educating them about what to do and and giving them clues as to what to do in an emergency in their home setting so that they are able to make that decision if the emergency comes up. Yeah, absolutely. So when thinking of brain health, how can we simplify it for people? Mm -hmm. What's the thing we can do to make it the most obvious thing to do? Mm -hmm. So for instance, by someone's phone, you could put in really large font, call Mm -hmm. 911 if emergency. Mm -hmm. And so um, making sure also that the phone is always close at hand. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times they won't know where their phone is at. So making sure that if you um, are visiting someone that they have a phone that's actually working, that Mm -hmm. they've paid their bill. So, you know, when we start to see um, people forgetting to pay their bills and we worry how are they going to call 911? How are they going to get that help? So, um, yeah, just just checking in with them when you go to visit and making sure that their phone is correctly working and they know where it's at. They know how to dial it. 
Yeah, those are all, you know, they seem sort of like obvious things, but when you're talking about individuals who may be suffering from cognitive impairment or trending in a way where you can't necessarily always easily assess as a loved one whether or not they are safe on their own, those are really excellent prompts to be considering during those visits that are being made. Um, okay, so going on with safety, um, so, you know, if someone is able to locate their phone, dial 911 in the case of an emergency, what other safety precautions or concerns would you be thinking of um, to be sure that they're safe in the home in an emergency? Sure. Well, I think a lot we also think about their appliances. Mm-hmm. Um, the stove, are they able to turn off the stove once they've turned it on? Mm-hmm. Water faucets. Are they able to remember to turn off the water faucet? Mm -hmm. Um, Do they have working heat and air conditioning? Mm -hmm. Is that something that's been overlooked? Mm -hmm. Um, So those are definite um, precautions that we look at um, in in regards to appliances. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also um, sanitation Mm -hmm. in the home Mm -hmm. is really important. Um, You know, are there ants? Are there bugs? Are they putting um, food that should be in the refrigerator in the pantry Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, because they're not realizing Mm -hmm. what they're doing? Mm -hmm. So that would be something to um, also consider in regards to safety and just making sure, you know, what they would do, what what would they know to do in a case of a flood or something like that too? Yeah, and I guess you know piggybacking on that, if you're visiting a loved one or you have someone close to you that you know, like making sure that maybe they're having um, the appropriate checks or you know time sensitive checks, maybe with a regularity. Mm-hmm. If you're noticing that those things aren't um, being adhered to or properly being managed, so that they can maybe um, have that support if they're continuing to stay in their own home, sounds. Mm-hmm. It could be really important. Microwave cooking has become a lot more, you know, it, it's quick. Mm-hmm. And you need to also kind of look and see what, if then something is in the microwave, because lots of times they may be putting objects in the microwave oh, yeah. that don't actually belong in the microwave. Right. And it can cause an arc and it can cause a spark. Mm-hmm. And then, then you're looking at a fire situation. So that's another huge safety precaution too. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then in, in terms of taking care of oneself, additional, you know, in addition to the safety precautions of the physical aspects of the home, um, what considerations are you considering when you're thinking about someone caring for oneself um, in this time? Sure. I think probably one of the biggest concerns that we see on a daily basis is just is someone able to understand what medications they're supposed to be taking and when they're supposed to be taking them. So I'm sure as a nurse, that's mm-hmm. probably a huge concern to you as well. Quite often when they come in, we'll find that they haven't had, you know, a refill um, completed, you know, uh, several times in a row. And so that tells us for whatever reason, they're having issues with accessing their medication. Mm -hmm. So that's a really big concern, um, the way they store their medication. So it's really hard sometimes for them to keep it organized. So having a loved one or a care support person that can put them in metasets or, you know, containers that give them the time and the correct day that they're supposed to be taking their medication Mm -hmm. is really helpful. So Mm -hmm. that's a big concern that we see. And then when we see, um, when we go check on loved ones and they're looking really disheveled, so are they forgetting to take a bath? Are they scared to get in the bathtub? Are they concerned they're going to fall? A lot of times they won't take care of themselves because Mm -hmm. they're afraid. And so just trying to understand those barriers of you know, what keeps them from taking care of themselves. Sometimes they're 
brain health won't allow them to realize that it's time to be taking Mm -hmm. a bath where you or I would be very normal in the morning that we get up at a certain time and brush our teeth and we do personal hygiene and we get dressed for the day. Mm -hmm. That awareness for them has changed. And so just kind of keeping an eye on them and seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, if we see their appearance changing, checking in with them to see if it looks like they're taking their medications in a timely manner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of what Kathleen just explained was what we call ADLs, mm-hmm. and you'll hear that a lot in mm-hmm. this population and in, in caring. Um, it's activities of daily living. Mm-hmm. And so you really want to be acute of that and, um, I mean, astute of that because it's things like bathing, dressing, personal hygiene. Are they able to make a small meal for themselves? Mm-hmm. How mobile they are. That's mm-hmm. another huge safety precaution that we look for Mm -hmm. is the mobility Mm -hmm. of, you know, your loved one and how they're able to take care of themselves that way too. Yeah. There's so many different aspects of taking care of oneself, sort of in a way of, you know, self-protection as well. You know, I'd like to talk about, you know, I know a lot of loved ones of mine and of friends have been in situations where they've been answering their phone, but they're getting scammed. What do you have to say about, about those types of situations and how to help a loved one um, notice when they may be at risk or vulnerable of those types of scams? I love that question. We yeah, are asking same. that on a daily basis All the when, time. when our folks come into our clinic. And so, you know, asking the question, do you feel like your loved one is at risk for being scammed? So will they answer the, the phone just anytime a number pops up or do they have any sort of discretion when they're answering the mm-hmm. phone? You know, mm-hmm. you or I, sometimes if we see a 1-800 number, we'll, we'll say, well, I'm going to let that go to my voicemail. But right. do they know to do that? They usually don't. They're so warm. They're so friendly. They want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So would they have the discretion if they picked up the phone and took that call to understand mm-hmm. what the intent of the caller was? Right. Um, you know, do they easily give money away? Um, do they have a lot of assets that... Um, they're at risk, you know, right. to being exploited. Do they have anyone that's looking over their checking account, mm-hmm. or bank account, to make sure um, where the money is going and that the mm-hmm. bills are getting paid on time? And when you go and visit a loved one, are you seeing a lot of mail laying around that's mm-hmm. left unopened? Mm-hmm. That can sometimes be a sign that they're just, you know, lacking that either awareness or desire to understand how to handle that and what to do with it. Right. So unfortunately, our elderly are one of our highest risk populations Mm -hmm. to be taken advantage of financially. I mean, and frankly, you know, some of those calls and some of those, um, you know, interactions you have with people can be very confusing. I've personally been in situations where I've been, um, you know, at risk of of being scammed, the drug enforcement agency or somebody's Mm -hmm. calling, Mm -hmm. needing some information and the police or whoever, you know, it is kind of a, it's a hard thing to discern. It's such a hard thing, Kim. And people are getting more and more sophisticated all the time at this. There are people that this is what they're doing full time, nonstop, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to produce these scams. And so, you know, when in doubt, take an extra level of precaution and realize that our elderly are not as astute to the rest of mm-hmm. us that are um, dealing with this on a daily basis. So getting on their checking accounts, um, getting on their bank accounts so that you have better access is really important. And then again, just um, looking at their mail when you go to visit them. And then if they'll allow you looking at their checkbook, if they keep one or mm-hmm. um 
know, looking at their statements to see if you can identify anything that looks suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also be aware if they start talking about somebody, because mm-hmm. a lot of this too is socialization mm-hmm. for our, you know, for them. And so they're, and that's another way that the scammers can hook them Oh yeah, is they turn into friends. Right. And so if they start mentioning a friend right. that you don't necessarily know about, um, that would be a red flag, yeah. you know, to talk to them about who that is. Right. Um, but I agree with Kathleen. That's one of our, you know, to, to have a loved one on their account right. to a family member and to keep watch of that too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it is really tricky too, because, um, in my experience with some of my own family members, it's a tricky conversation to have often mm-hmm. in terms of all of these things, right? Like trying to help keep them safe and, and help them feel supported without feeling like, um, leaving them feeling untrusted or as mm-hmm. though they aren't having that autonomy anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a very tricky balance to keep. Kim, yeah. we so appreciate that sentiment. That's our goal every day. To have them our... keep their independence. Exactly. That's what we strive for, we for strive them. For keep day. them and keep them safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot here about um, ensuring that they're able to take care of themselves physically, financially, um, medically, you know, being sure that they're able to take their medications, um, you know, and, and keeping themselves safe in terms of an emergency situation. What are, are there any other red flags you'd be looking for to sort of indicate that someone needs a little bit higher level of care or more involvement in their activities to keep them safe? Yeah, I I'm always interested in would they know who to open the door for if they lived at home? Mm -hmm. So where you or I might peek out of a peephole or Mm -hmm. we might ask Mm -hmm. who is it and, you know, they will quite often just open the door for anyone. So, you know, if they have a caregiver coming into their home, Mm -hmm. is that caregiver through a reputable company? Does anyone know them? Right. Um, Again, that opens up the, the opportunity for financial exploitation if they're Mm -hmm. just letting anyone into their home. So I really, we really recommend that, you know, if you have a in-home caregiver come that you either know them personally really well, or you go through an agency where they have background checks done Mm -hmm. and drug testing Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And then of course they're at risk for wandering out of their home and getting turned around and getting lost. And, you know, the saddest thing would be that if they were to walk out in front of a car. And so we really encourage people to use safe ID return bracelets. Mm-hmm. You can get that through alzheimers.org or you okay. can even purchase them off of Amazon. And they're anywhere between 15 and $20. And they just have your name and your address. So if you ever did mm-hmm. get turned around, uh, hopefully a passerby would be able to help you um, get your loved one back to their home or help their loved one get back. Yeah, those are those are really great tips. Anything from you, Katie, that I you think, can think of? I think also kind of keep an eye on um, if they're becoming more isolated mm-hmm. or or socially just their you know the socialization aspect mm-hmm. of their lives has mm-hmm. diminished. Also, if they become a little bit more secretive, you know, and you sense that they're hiding some things, become a little bit more aware of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think isolation is really um, a key factor in someone's general well-being. And as people become older and they have more difficulty hearing and they have more difficulty seeing and their brain health changes, then their world can shrink because it becomes really tempting to just stay home where it's safe. And they also, they're not, they don't have the transportation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they used to. Um, also, a lot of their friends are, are dying we have that a lot um, where they're they're missing. Mm-hmm. Um, some have moved 
Mm-hmm. So they're away from the friends that mm-hmm. they've had. Mm-hmm. So yeah, isolation is is real. And us, I know Kathleen too. We tr- strive to try to have them find more means to have socialization mm-hmm. too. Yeah, such a protective factor for sure. Well, thank you so much for providing this insight. For anyone listening, if you need extra support, um, the social workers at the St. Alphonsus Brain Health Memory Center program are are here to provide tips and tricks and strategies and to work with you to support loving and caring communication, to promote autonomy and any of the older adults in your life who are who are suffering from cognitive impairment. So yes, if you have any other questions, please reach out to our team and we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Alphonsus Wellcast, brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing and the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Always be sure to catch new episodes by subscribing to us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. We hope you'll tune in again. Until then, be well.